Welcome to the Sage Sayeth Podcast. What a wonderful day this day is. Live a worthy life. Shalom. Number 110623. A year with the Church Fathers. Take your Christian life seriously. St. Ephraim the Syrian reminds us of what it means to live as a Christian. We can't just say we believe in these things. We actually have to do them. Do not resist evil, for whoever resists evil is evil from the evil one. Do not keep back anything from anyone, so that if he perishes, you will not be blamed. Do not change your respect for someone according to his goods and possessions. Do everything as if nothing existed and God alone was in being. If you ask something of your neighbor and he does not give you what you want, make sure you do not, in your anger, say a bitter word. Do not oppose the seasons, for the changes are many. Put sorrow far from your flesh and sadness from your thoughts, except that you should constantly be in sadness for your sins. Do not stop working, even if you are rich, for the slothful earn much guilt from their idleness. St. Ephraim the Syrian, homily on admonition and repentance, 15. In God's presence, consider, how well does my daily life meet the Christian standard? Which of the areas St. Ephraim mentions do I most need to work on? Closing prayer. Lord, maintain my devotion and forgive my transgressions, and give me strength wherever I am deficit in your service. Through the year with Thomas Merton. The Clarity of Love Love is not mere emotion or sentiment. It is the lucid and ardent response of the whole man to a value that is revealed to him as perfect, appropriate, and urgent in the providential context of his own life. Hence, there are innumerable ways in which men can be awkwardly seen from the sleep of a mechanical existence and summoned to give himself totally in the clarity of love, contemplation in a world of action. Magnificat, May 2023, a reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Meditation of the Day. The Daily Miracle of Love. Factus is the word written on the tabernacle door of our parish church. Et homily factus est. And he became man. Factus, one word. But what a wealth of joy and happiness of sublime love, of perfect bliss. Factus, my God is here. Factus, the second person of the most holy trinity. Factus, behold, when I think of you, my heart just beats faster and faster. Oh Jesus, I love you. But do I love you enough? Do I really realize what the word factus implies? Factus that God became incarnate, that Nazareth is true, that the hidden years are true, that the public ministry is true, that the passion is true, that the crucifixion is true, that the resurrection is true, that transubstantiation, the daily miracle, is true that the real presence is true. Fact is, I see the word and I receive Holy Communion. Fact is, I tremble with fear. For if love has done that, then what is justice going to be like? O beloved, where are your children? The churches are empty in the daytime. They are filled on Sundays. But so many are absent who should be there. And yet... Daily, the miracle of love takes place. Daily, bread and wine become God. Beloved, I adore you. Prostrate, I lie in the dust before you, who have become man. I believe you are Christ, come down to save sinners. Adorning you, I ask for love, a love that knows no limit, a love like a flame that consumes me. O Christ, O Lord, One gift I ask of you, love for you ever-increasing, ever-growing, ever-active on your behalf. God's Little Instruction Book, number one, two, and three by Honor Books. Golden Nugget number one, inspired by Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 19 and 21. Life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. Teach them God's commandments to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, so that your days and the days of your children may be many. Golden Nugget number two, inspired by Proverbs chapter 11 verses 3 compromise makes a good umbrella but a poor roof it is a temporary expedient a good man is guided by his honesty the evil man is destroyed by his dishonesty golden nugget number 3 proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 people who fly into a rage always make a bad landing the discretion of a man deferreth his anger and it is his glory to pass over a transgression, Chesterson, day by day. However far aloft a man may go, he is still looking up, not only at God, which is obvious, but in a manner at 
men also seeing more and more all that is towering and mysterious in the dignity and destiny of the lonely house of Adam. So it may be hoped, until we die, you and I will always look up rather than down at the laborers and habitations of our race. We will lift up our eyes to the valleys from whence cometh our help. For from every special eminence, beyond every sublime landmark, it is good for our souls to see our vaster and vaster visions of that dizzy and divine level, and to behold from our crumbling turrets the tall plains of equality, alarms, and discursions. A Reflection <clears throat> The Venerable Onofrisus the Great had been living in the desert for six full years when the monk Paphnutus <clears throat> visited him. His hair and beard reached to the ground and his body due to a long period of nakedness which was covered with long hair. <clears throat> All his hair were white as snow and his entire appearance was brilliant, sublime and awesome. Seeing Paphnutius Onufrius called him by name and recounted to him his Onufrius's life in the wilderness. His guardian angel had appeared to him and brought him to that place in the wilderness. For a long time he had eaten only vegetables, which would really be found in the wilderness. After he endured violent combat with the temptations of the demons, and his heart had been completely strengthened in the love of God, an angel of God brought him bread for nourishment. Besides that, by the good providence of God, there grew up next to his cell a palm tree. There brought forth dates abundantly, and a spring of living water began to flow there. However, Onufrius said, I mostly nourish myself and quenched my thirst with the sweet words of God. To Paphnutius, question as to how he received Holy Communion, the hermit answered that an angel of God brought him Holy Communion every Saturday. The next day the elder told Paphnutius that it was the day of his departure from this world. He knelt down, prayed to God, and gave up his spirit unto God. At that moment Paphnutius saw a heavenly light illuminating the body of the reposed saint and heard the singing of angelic hosts. Having honorably buried the body of Onufrius, Paphnufrius returned to his monastery, that a living witness he might narrate to others, for their benefit, the wondrous life of this man and the greatness of God's providence toward those who have completely given themselves over to the service of God. Onufrius reposed in the air. 400. The Remembrance of God The progress of technology had led and still leads to just such a concentration and centralization of power. Foundational to Christian living is the remembrance of God. Remembrance while waking. Remembrance while at work. Remembrance while fulfilling the duties of life. Remembrance while going to sleep. The Christian must be cultivating the remembrance of God in all things. It need not be elaborate, 
The believer may offer this service in the inner chamber of the heart. He may offer it in solitude or while in the midst of a multitude. The littlest of things may serve to turn our hearts and minds to the most holy trinity. While at work, Lord, fashion me according to your image. While eating, Lord, feed me with true heavenly food. While drinking, Lord, give unto me the living water. Even when we encounter unpleasant situations, that insane driver on the freeway, Lord, have mercy and save us. Lord, deliver our race from the evil one. Thus we can train ourselves to use everyday material things, to lift up our minds to heavenly things. Short prayers peppered throughout the day, these will act to cultivate in our hearts the remembrance of God. If remembrance of God is foundational to the Christian life, then the opposing foundation of the anti-Christian life is the forgiveness of God. The enemy seeks to use all of the cares of this life to drown the soul in forgetfulness. He seeks to lull it into a false sense of complacency or help it occupied in constant worry and fear. He seeks to dehumanize humanity in a state of dehumanized forgetfulness. He drives our race to the cliffs of perdition. The masses staggering forward in the darkness of forgetfulness are constantly told, this is true freedom, and under duress they begin to believe it. The devil seeks to convince man to reduce himself to bare material existence. There is nothing beyond what can be seen with physical eyes and touched with fleshly hands. Even if the possibility of something greater is admitted, it is simultaneously wiped away as unknowable or unknown. Thus man frees himself of any duty to contemplate higher things. After all, the thought stirs what is truth and how could it be actually known. The shuffling masses are well supplied with the neurotic of indifferentialism. This manifests itself in the fact that they then lash out at anything that would seek to disturb what they count their calm march, which ends in the abyss. And we are, in times which demand that one confess that the abyss is the ultimate good, for the enemy is to make such an illusion seem to be a reality. He must purge from the human consciousness any striving and longing for eternal things. He must obliterate the remembrance of God in the heart of man. He is not able to do this through his own power, but he may use his cunning to convince man to live of his own will in such a state. There is a new anti-evangelism going on, one that indeed has as its goal conversion. I take the time to highlight these things so that we may be aware of the methods that are being employed, for we are told to be watchful. We cannot disallow that we are part of the human race and that we are, if not careful in Christ, susceptible to the sly tactics devised and utilized. One prime example, the means and methods of producing psychological stress. I'm sure 
we'll find much in common with the social environment that surrounds us. Psychological stress can be produced in many ways. It has been found that the deliberate induction of fear, rage, or anxiety markedly heightens suggestibility. If these emotions are kept at a high pitch of intensity for a long enough time, the brain goes on strike. When this happens, new behavior patterns may be installed with the greatest of ease. Our world is full of what some have labeled pseudo-ideas. The human mind is purposely broken down and fed false ideas. We may say fantastical and self-contradicting ideas, which it then takes at some sort of reality. Because in this state of constant emotional and sentimental reaction, it is a very easy thing to control. For this is to be effective, an environment of destabilization must be produced, so to be kept the subject in a state of anxiety, which will always stir up fear and rage. Does that sound familiar? Among the physical stresses that increase, suggestibility are fatigue and every form of sickness. And then, as if explaining events of our day, he elaborates, illness is even more effective than fatigue as any intensifier of suggestibility. The fundamental goal of COVIDism, as an example, was primary, primarily psychological. Masks, remember that? Lockdowns, applied, eased, and applied again, new social habits, and so forth. It is also why the threat of some new disease is ever in the mainstream media. Covidism proved that people, even Christians, are willing to accept a new normal under the threat of illness. It was priming the pump. People are willing to accept new standards of human interaction or lack thereof. And even Christians are willing to accept the modification of worship and interaction with the divine under the threat of illness. Some Christians even refuse the non-masked entrance into church buildings. Some even willingly segregated the unvaccinated or barred them from worship. Those who would not accept the new mass psychosis were many times cut off even by those counted as friends. What do such actions say? And have we repented and reconciled? Or has it just been easier to brush it under the carpet? Does this not indicate the danger and on some level the potency of what is being addressed in this article? Although it may seem at current that COVIDism is dormant, I bring it up because substantial ground was taken through it in the reconditioning of humanity. Certain mentalities were cultivated in many and are still there. Intense, prolonged fear breaks down and produces a state of greatly intensified suggestibility. If indoctrination is given in the right way at the proper stage of nervous exhaustion, it will work under favorable conditions. Practically everyone can be converted to practically anything. As COVIDism 
was losing its potency, the world was hurriedly moved into the next crisis. Somehow war was begun in a country most Americans couldn't find on a map, and it became the greatest scapegoat for a plethora of global shortages and lefts. And let's not forget about the use of climate for for fear-mongering, keep the masses in a state of anxiety and worry. We must always take into consideration that when there is instability, people tend to be more open to saviors. There is undoubtedly a certain reality behind the materialist understanding of the human psyche. The methods have been implemented with great success in many places. It does at least confirm that the human mind will be conformed to something or someone. So, what is the Christian to do? Remember God. If it's situation of heightened stress, we become more susceptible. Then let us turn the constructed situations of continued crisis around us to be a beneficial end. In trials and tribulations, let us turn to God. If the goal is to wear us down, then let us encourage ourselves in the Lord. The goal is to mentally weaken us. Let us strengthen our minds in Christ. Ultimately, the plans of the devil executed through those sad persons who serve him will all come crashing down and be destroyed. The scriptures admonish us, therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the word. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6-9 through 9. Cast thy care upon the Lord, and he shall nourish thee. He shall never suffer the righteousness to stumble. But thou, O God, shall bring them into the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in the Lord. Psalm 54, 55. 23 and 24. And then, if we remain in Christ Jesus, we may say with righteous Joseph, Do not be afraid, for I belong to God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. If in all the instability of our days we cultivate in our hearts the remembrance of God, then we will find the still path through the stormy waters. Even in all the global mechanisms of men, we may be reminded of God. O Lord, this world is passing away, and all is lust. Only your kingdom abides forever. Remember me when you come to your kingdom. Counteract the psychological attack of the evil one by cultivating in your psyche the remembrance of God. May we have the sobriety to understand the tactics being used against us so as to implement the proper spiritual defense in our Lord Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. 
in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John chapter 14 verse 1, chapter 16 verse 33. A quote from St. Francis of Assisi. If you have men who exclude any of God's creatures from the shelter of compassion and pity, you will have men who will deal likewise with their fellow men.